Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 24 of season 3 of This Osteopathic Life. It's been a bit of a hiatus for the solo episodes, and I've been considering why. It hasn't been entirely intentional, and that feels like a bit of a confession, but we'll begin there today. I could look back at the timing of the previous episodes and say that the next one that was due, based on the timeline I have established internally of weekly episodes, was due to some travel, time away, different technological challenges, and the weeks following We're back to school and new activities and rhythms and different programs launching in my work. And I would say but, but I'm going to say and. I could also examine, and this really came through for me yesterday, that perhaps it was that I wasn't quite sure what to say, what to share, that I was uncertain about what would emerge when I began recording. Because as I've shared with you, These episodes have various themes, concepts, anchor points, but also they come to you just as they are in the moment, whatever arises, whatever presents itself as the topic to be discussed. And perhaps it was that I wasn't ready yet to speak. And that can be totally okay. Sometimes we have a schedule and we have a framework and absolutely there is space to pre-record and get things out in advance. And there is also time to be in the moment and allow whatever emerges to emerge. And sometimes that might be silence. And we've talked silence in various episodes in the past and not silence in the way of being silenced, but think about silence in the way of contemplation of a pause. And pause is such a powerful word. Again, episodes in the past dedicated to that entirely. And I think about sabbaticals that can be taken. And I think about how they have come up for me in my life in various ways. There have been very intentional sabbaticals. I mentioned to you that shift and that transition between my original work in Michigan and the first time we were in Oregon and the shift in the timing and the schedule and the intensity of work. And I also think about somewhat unintentional sabbaticals, for example, from exercise, as I shared with you in the episode around injuries and the time that it created some dormancy in movement for me. And what it says to us is there is a need for rest, an indication for it, a shift of where energy is being applied and letting ourselves lean into that or pan out and observe it can be really helpful. Now, as I sit and look at the date on my computer, which is in front of me as I record and as I look to make sure I say the right episode number, right, double check. And 
it says the 16th of September. And I find that really, really hard to believe for a number of reasons. First, for a grand reason here in the northwest part of Michigan is that the temperatures have been in the upper 70s. The water remains relatively comfortably swimmable. And we'll talk about that challenge as part of this episode here in a moment as well. I find it hard to believe because somehow, for me, it feels like we have moved toward autumn, which I love, absolutely love. I love all the seasons, but I would say autumn may actually be my favorite, be a close tie with summer. But again, I can see all the reasons to love all of them. In any case, it feels like we are moving there. There are some leaves on the ground. There are some leaves changing colors. And at the same time, it feels very much like we're still in that summer space. And I have to share with you, I found a memory that came up on my phone from 10 years ago. And think about that. When I was 30 and it was a post on my Facebook wall from my dear friend and colleague, my base student partner back in training that stated I was trying to talk her into pumpkin spice lattes. And it was too soon because we still had some days left, right? It wasn't the fall season yet. And I had to laugh because for me, I'm a staunch supporter of being in the season for the season, right? At least until the equinox. And I could even almost say, let's stretch summer till the end of September, right? Let's give it those extra nine days to just ride it out. And apparently, historically, a decade ago, I was much more on the bandwagon of that next fall trend for the love of fall, for the love of sweaters and jeans and leaves and pumpkin patches and corn mazes and apple picking and cider and donuts. And I do need to find an effective grain-free pumpkin spice donut, apple cider donut plan. We'll put an asterisk in that and I'll share it back with you if I get there. And at the same time, something has shifted where I very much want to be where we are now. And notice that want in there. And if there's an opportunity to simply be where we are now. And so as that memory came up, I had to just laugh at it and say, wow, right? The perspectives have changed. And before, I might have been looking forward to moving toward urging, pressuring, anticipating, none of which are bad things necessarily. And at the same time, the shift in perspective is to be where we are now. Be in the moment as it is. Be in the season as long as it is here. Respect those designations. And I could look at the seasonal pieces as boundaries or limitations, but simply seeing them as demarcations, as indications, as clarity, right? And clarity is power of, okay, we are still in, in the Northern Hemisphere, the summer season for this next week. What I also notice is that there was a shift in the June time for me. Now, if I look back and logistically, rationally, we've talked about some of that hyper-rationality that exists, what happens in these past few months in where content and production have shifted, June was very busy physically. I was doing all the things, all the movement, and this was the time when my family was away on different summer adventures. And I was here solo with the two puppies, so as solo as that can be, with also a number of visitors. So solo relative to my nuclear family and engaged in other interactions. 
And I believe I shared with you at my annual exam during that time, I was reviewing exercise. It's one of the questions we go through with my physician. And it took me maybe five minutes, right, to list my usual daily exercise (laughs) and look at the patterns. That's probably an exaggeration, but maybe not super exaggerated. And having a little bit of a response that might be extreme, right? But it also felt really right that I was engaging all those different athletic versions of myself in a respectful way. And there was the time and space and bandwidth for it because my other responsibilities had shifted. And sometimes we do that. We put our energy into different places, spaces, outlets. And then as my family returned at the end of June, there was this point where there was an attempt to keep all of that going at the same rate and speed and frequency and volume, intensity perhaps as well. And then these other responsibilities came in and also different shifts in work. There are natural ebbs and flows to the cycle of when programs go live and require more and less attention from me. And so there is a bit of a tipping point. And if we want to look at, again, the body as a messenger, I won't visit it in great detail, But it was right around that time, it was in that first week of July that I experienced the injury in my back, which really manifests as more sensation alteration in my leg. But the source of it is close to the spine, close to the sacrum, which is the foundation of our spine. And interestingly, I've shared it before, but I was on an episode on the OrthoTalk podcast, episode number 16. If you ever want to look it up, it was one of my favorite experiences of being a guest on a podcast in the questions asked, and they ask what your favorite bone is. And I said the sacrum. And they were surprised by that. I think there's a lot of long bone favoritism in the orthopedic world. But the sacrum, just think about it, right? Think about that foundational aspect. Think about the hub that it is. Think about the house and the protection that it provides for so many nerves. Thinking of all the connective tissue that incorporates the pelvic organs, thinking of how it's directly connected to the upper cervical spine, its relationship and movement to the occiput, the bone in your skull, the dural connections that lining around your brain and spinal cord, and how it's such a key part of the central operating system in our body. So absolutely to the sacrum. And from an osteopathic manipulative medicine standpoint, if I had to pick one place that I could treat, right? If they said to you, you never again, right, can palpate any other part of the body but one. Where would you go for optimal power? Absolutely. I would treat at the sacrum, right? With the patient supine, hand under, I can go there right now, right? And I can see this in all the settings. And I have this kind of, it's a wonderful life moment. Everything flashes through where I see patients in the hospital. And I've seen newborns that I've treated and pregnant women that I've treated in young athletes that I've treated and patients with chronic back pain and acute issues in my own, right? I've had a bend, twist, lift moment and had acute flare of low back pain that was absolutely improved almost immediately by addressing restrictions in the sacrum. I think about the power of it. And just recently, I took my middle son for his sports physical because he is now a middle schooler to adapt to that. He's a big kid. And where I took him was a place where I formerly worked and it has relatively steep grade on the entrance steps. And they've put some traction mats on them now, which is really helpful. But when I worked there in the wintertime, I slipped down them and I fell directly onto my sacrum within the week. And this was an episode I recorded. This was early on in this osteopathic life, early on in season one. I had the flu, influenza, and I've never 
to my recollection, had the flu before. And I finally understood when they talk about, you know, patients will describe like their eyeballs hurt when they have the flu, that myalgia, that inflammation that extends so systemically. And I got it for the first time I experienced it. And when I tracked it back, that was within about five or six days following that slip and fall landing on the sacrum. And I do believe it was that blunting of motion that predisposed me. The exposure would have been the same, right? That viral exposure would have been the same, but my lymphatic system had been shifted and blunted and allowed my body to get sick from that exposure that normally I would process and move through. And then interestingly, in the therapeutic moment of it, I was coaching my husband through treatment because it just felt like everything was compressed at my sacrum. And he applied pressure and there was the loudest pop articulation and not from a HVLA or a thrust perspective, simply pressing down on the sacrum, it restored and felt almost immediately so much better. So thinking about the power of the sacrum in that space. I'm going to bring this back around and get us back on track, although I think that's a reasonable space to be. So seeing those foundational pieces, seeing where we are seasonally, noticing what we allow to be in the moment, recognizing what we engage with as the pillars, the constants, those foundational structures in our life. And what is the use of silence, of quiet? We think about that book and the role of introversion in our society where extroversion is so highly valued and that we sometimes need to simply allow ourselves to be okay with quiet, with pauses, with silence, and just let it be. Don't try to fill it. And in that space of busy, right, where I tried to scrunch all of those activities into a space where now there were different engagements in the schedule and energetically in relationship, right? something had to give. And my body called that out. And so what happened from that, which I very likely would not have done without that prompt, without that impetus to pause physically, is that I had to reduce some of those physical outlets, physical activities, somewhat from a time perspective, yes, but the impetus to actually follow through with it was much more dramatic and emphatic because I couldn't do some things, literally, to restore, to heal. There were certain movements that were restricted. And I could look at that and be quite disappointed. As I share with you, I'd begun rowing again and really enjoying it. And I was coming to one of those spaces of peak fitness again and feeling like the rug was pulled from under me a bit. I shared with you that I did my first 5K, right, since my knee had been bothering me and had gone really well, even though it was in the pouring rain. And yet, right, there was a requirement to pause from running. Now, there was still an allowance for many activities, and it was also an experience in recognizing that absolutely we can modify and remain engaged throughout most injuries. It's a time to be more thoughtful, more mindful with every warm-up, with every movement, with every selection of a weight or of a particular exercise. I had to think, right, is this appropriate? Is this doable? Can I maintain adequate form in a much more meticulous way? And I like to think that I am thoughtful about movement and exercise at baseline, but this definitely took it up a notch. It made me recognize where I needed to say no and make a shift where I could say 
yes, absolutely, I can do this. And so in that time, there's a pause. And in July, there was a gap in my daily journaling. And I keep a number of journals at its peak. It was probably close to seven different ways. Gratitude, I actually had a quiet journal from that book. And I kept my own journal that was simply just a reflection on the day, often relatively fact-based, right? This is what happened. We did this workout in the morning. I had these calls during the day. We had these activities as a family. I'm reading this book for a bit. These are my closing activities on the day. And that has been pretty consistent for a number of years. And there's a gap, right? So there was a time, there are some pages that are empty. And I'll share with you, as I've shared with my coach, I still have some thoughts of reclaiming them. Historically, I have done so. You can go back and you can look at your photos. I often will do a daily post on Facebook and you can kind of piecemeal together what it is that you did in that space. But there is a lapse in there. And the tendency in me is to want to go back and start from where that lapse began and fill it up to bring it to present, to bring it to current. And then I also recognize that that can be somewhat hazardous, somewhat limiting, somewhat an act of perfectionism embedded in, hidden within, disguised inside of procrastination in a way. And instead, elected to begin with the day, right? Come back to the present moment. Because what's also happening when I need to retroactively complete that journal is that I'm going back, right? I'm looking behind. I'm turning away from where I am currently in order to go back and fill in what was. And that can be helpful, I find it often fascinating when I do write in a historical entry, it's often through a much more positive lens. And I can see the difference. I can remember the day, right? There'll be a picture, there'll be an activity, there'll be a certain workout, there'll be something on my calendar. I think, oh, that was really challenging. Maybe it was really frustrating. Didn't go as I expected. But the gift of time, right? That 2020 hindsight moment, the rose-colored glasses, um, nostalgia looking back, I often will write the entry, again, much more neutral, usually without much of an opinion on it and simply go through the events that there were. And oftentimes I will find the space for gratitude for whatever it was that happened. And again, I have this foresight or this future vision gift of knowing what came after and now seeing, oh, that was the gift of why this happened here, right? That's where this was leading. But in the moment, we don't know that. And so there can be power sometimes in having those gaps to fill in the perspective that we gain from it. I also see that beginning with the day, so starting where I am right now, also allows me to have that real experience of being in the present moment and allowing whatever response to that to be okay as well, right? If it was a challenging day, just to say, okay, right? That was a challenging day. And that doesn't have to be good, bad, or otherwise, but I'm allowing myself to feel it as it is. So noticing both of those, Both of those have benefits. And so perhaps there's a reason there's a space in July. And should I choose to go back and reclaim it and fill it in, it'll be fascinating to see how it emerges, what tone it takes, what the theme is, what lesson I can now see. Because at present, as I shared, it feels like there has almost been this pause. And some parts of me feel like, is it still June? How are we in September? How are we in this final quarter of the year? How did it all go so quickly? And then at the same time, right, feel like we have been 
here for so long. There's the phenomenon that's happening where we're in the pandemic and time has warped a bit. Everything feels like, oh, a year ago. And I think, no, it was really coming up toward two years ago, right, that these shifts happen. I began the Osteopathic Health Policy Fellowship two years ago. And I was in the last class of it because of shifts and changes and COVID requirements. And so it seems like that should just be one year ago, but actually it's two. So I'm curious if you experienced that, that sense of time warp of the shift in time where some things seem like they've gone so fast. Some feel like many years have passed, right? That absolutely wasn't last year. It feels like it could have been five years ago that all of this began and how we bring ourselves up to speed. What I'd like to offer to you is that the gift of the present moment and taking that pause to recalibrate yourself, to pull forward all that which is lingering beyond for those journal pages that you're working on filling, and then pull back, right? bring back to yourself all of that which you're anticipating. And that can be with excitement or with worry, but bring it back in. And see what expansion happens when you pull that timeline in. And I picture it as if there is you know, this linear timeline as we push the ends together. It doesn't go anywhere. We're not destroying it. We're not eliminating it. So it becomes more like the sphere if you could hold it between your hands. And there's this fullness within it. You're encapsulating the energy and you're bringing it into the present moment. And what that allows is for you to tune in to listen to what it is you need, to honor what it is you're doing right now, just as you are, and to decide where you would like to go. And thinking about that, not from, again, aiming forward in that anticipatory way, but staying in that sphere, right? And this is a great opportunity, again, not if you're walking or biking or driving where you need to have your eyes open, but if you can pause, right? Pause is our theme of the day here. And close your eyes and picture having condensed that timeline, right? You've pushed the two ends together and expanded that sphere and you're in it. You're central in that sphere and you can move around and rotate. So automatically I get this vision of the hamster in the ball and the, you know, that you would put them in and have them run around your house. If that was ever your experience, or maybe it is presently as well. So you can move all different directions, but you're still contained in that present moment, you can change the direction of it, but not leave that same space. You're staying in that fullness and in that wholeness. And you can look around, right? So you can have a gaze in multiple directions and still be where you are. And so from there, where would you like that trajectory to go? Where would you like the energy that you're expending to take you? And how can you stay tuned into your own center, your own core, your own belief system, as you can still move. What I love, and we're going to stay with that hamster in the ball analogy and visual, is there can be so much progress, so much engagement with the world around you while still staying fully with yourself. And I'm not suggesting you have to be in a bubble and prevent yourself from interacting, excuse me, interacting fully with the outside world. But I am suggesting that there is the opportunity to really stay with yourself as you're doing that. Because what I found is oftentimes we will depart from ourselves. We will 
remove ourselves from that midline orientation, from that tuning in to ourselves, from the listening to our body, to our mind, to our spirit, to the messaging that we're receiving. And that Paul analogy, and you can think of it as fluidly, as free as you like. It doesn't have to be a plastic ball with a twist off opening that someone else must release you from. But thinking of it, and you can look at it as continuous right, with the world around you. We think about it energetically and fluid filled. Right? There can be this continuum with the world around you. And you have this container of you, your own energetic field around you, your own midline orientation. You can see it as it relates to all of those around you. And you can see it within the whole because if we expand it out. What it really is, is all of us are in that one sphere together, right? And we can choose collectively where we're going, where this energy is taking us. And that could mean a destination. That could mean some endeavor. That could mean entrepreneurial experience. That could mean travel. That could mean a new life experience of family engagement, And it can also mean where we are going spiritually, where we are going emotionally, where we are going mentally, and seeing how we can decide together where we move in that way, where our intention is taking us in the world, culturally, in community, and what that is. So see what spheres emerge for you. Who do you see in that sphere? And of course, automatically also see the bubbles about which we have referenced in the time of COVID, right? Socially, the physical bubbles, those circles we allow ourselves to have. And we could notice the impact of that. Seeing the elements of inclusion and the elements of exclusion and how we rectify some of those challenging spaces. If we can allow for unity and communion, even when there are requirements of us, a physical distancing for safety and otherwise. Seeing how those spheres may be enveloping more people than previous because of virtual connections. I know for me that has definitely happened both personally and professionally. Gathering our whole family together on Zoom has happened much more frequently than in-person actions have. Engaging with physician colleagues in much more diverse geographic locations has happened because of this time in the technological engagement. So seeing the opportunities that we have there. And the other thing I'd like to touch on before we come to close here today is the idea of trust. And when I think about, again, the time between episodes, and like I shared, energetically needing a pause, a redirection of energy and effort, some of that time warpedness of the seasons and where we are and simply not even recognizing, really? You know, was it three weeks ago that a solo episode came out? Huh, right? kind of hard to believe. And at the same time, sharing that the content of these episodes presents itself in the moment. And many times the topic might change when I hit record, right? Something might shift and emerge. And embracing that is part of the process for me. And at the same time, it does require an element of self-trust and a trust of others, right? putting this out into the world and for listeners to 
Take these words and do what they will with them. Decide what they mean. Give any feedback. Incorporate them into their lives. Share them with others. And so there's an element of trust involved. And recognizing that feeling, trusting of oneself, that whatever content is okay, that it's authentic, that it's honest, that it's the right content for the moment because it's the content that's presenting itself. And I believe I've shared with you as well that there are very few times that I've made a major edit or not released a podcast, but a few times I have, right? There are, are indications and that's an element of trust of knowing when that wasn't the message that was meant to be in that time. And also trusting that sometimes pausing the message is absolutely the right thing to do, the necessary thing to do, the best thing to do for oneself in that moment. And so what I'd like to encourage, because many of us, and I'm including myself in that many, will often fill up times of uncertainty, times of insecurity, times of simply not knowing what is next, which is always actually, right, if we're being honest about it, with more doing, And absolutely, you can see where that can be me. I'll fill up spaces with activity, often physical activity, often exercise. But it might also be output and words and more engagements. And so while I could see not fulfilling a weekly podcast episode, having a longer gap between them as a problem, as a failure, as an inadequacy, I'm actually going to pause and trust myself And see it as the best thing. It's a totally necessary thing. As an experience of growth. As progress. As an expression of health. For knowing when a pause is needed. Knowing when trusting myself means not saying something. And that isn't because I have been silenced by an external or internal source. But simply that quiet. That reflection. The time between is okay. And that really is an element of progress. And so as we continue on, I anticipate weekly. It feels like we have moved through a time of reflection and restoration. I shared on my daily Facebook post that I took an actual rest day from exercise. And again, I have a buried opportunity with the exercises I do that you can take active rest days. You can move, use different muscles, different physiological systems. And at the same time, there is time, space, and indication for rest. And so I didn't complete any workout on Sunday. I did complete my swim, but that's in a different category. And we'll talk about that. I thought we'd talk about it here, but I think we'll talk about that when it comes to the recap of the whole experience. And Sometimes I've taken rest days and come back sluggish, probably because I might have needed a second rest day or just a reorientation to oneself and to activity. But this one, I came back really feeling quite good and energetic for the next workout. And I feel that same effect here, that taking this time between, in the midst of which I have re-engaged in conversations, which have been fantastic. And another one will come out this week for you to enjoy. And also, I feel that the words will show up, that the content will prevent itself, excuse me, (laughs) present itself. And we will go forward from here together inside our hamster wheels, collectively in the spheres of our knowing, 
of our midline, of our presence, with the capacity to pause and to trust and to show up just as we are. This is Dr. Millie Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to engage further with This Osteopathic Life concepts and coaching in general, I am putting together small groups of coaching, working with me in the Positive Intelligence Programming. It's a six-week process. We have small groups, five to 10 maximum, and we work together to engage in concepts of mind-body-spirit health, bringing the osteopathic concept forward. And if you want to visit me at thisosteopathiclife.com, you can learn more about that.